There's a war going on inside us. A brutal fight between flesh and spirit. Out of this skirmish call many voices competing for our attention. The question is, are we listening to the right voice? Hey, welcome to the very first episode of the Competing Voices podcast. The voice competing for your attention right now is that of your host, Josh Evans, a former network engineer turned pastor and podcast producer. I am so excited that you have decided to join me on this journey. My hope is to use this podcast as a platform to share God's word and to answer challenging questions about faith, life, and more through what I hope are the release of weekly podcast episodes. It became quite evident to me early on in my walk with Christ that the spiritual food I was getting once a week on Sundays just wasn't nearly enough to sustain me the entire week, and I'm sure the same holds true for you as well. Let's look at it from this perspective. In order to satisfy our physical bodies, we tend to eat three times a day and sometimes more for snackers, not guilty. And we do this seven days a week. So we eat approximately 21 times a week for the sake of our physical bodies. I mean, that's a whole lot of calories. But on the flip side of that, we expect a single Sunday morning serving with or without a side of small group to be enough spiritual food to last us an entire week. I think we better think again. See, in order for us to be filled up, in order for us to be adequately equipped as soldiers battling in spiritual warfare, we must engage in God's word frequently and always be living it out. So based on all of this, based on everything I've shared with you so far, I've decided to combine my passion for technology and my love for God's word to bring you this new podcast as an additional resource to help you be more engaged in your Bible. In this episode, I'd like to focus on the topic of prayer. As a pastor and social media user, I typically both see and receive a lot of requests for prayer. What I find concerning, though, is that frequently the driving force behind these prayer requests seem to be some sort of tragedy that's taken place. Maybe it's a fire, tornado, or flood. Even death, an accident, an illness, or an injury. Even if it's just for a moment, people suddenly seem to trust God because something tragic has happened and they want Him to take care of it. The situation that occurred with Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin recently on Monday Night Football is a prime example. On a nationally televised football game with tens of thousands of people watching and tens of thousands in attendance, Hamlin makes what appears to be a routine tackle in the first quarter on Cincinnati receiver T. Higgins. Hamlin then gets up off the ground and almost immediately he collapses in cardiac arrest. Honestly, it was like anything that I've ever seen before. Almost immediately, emergency personnel rushed to his aid to begin administering CPR and even using an AED. Hamlin was then taken by ambulance to a Cincinnati hospital where he was considered to be in critical condition. Here's where things get even more interesting to me. Within minutes of this all taking place, social media was suddenly saturated with tons of posts relating to this tragic situation, and indeed it was tragic. People either indicated that they were praying for this young man or they were asking others to pray for him. Now, please don't get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with praying or asking someone to pray when it comes to tragic situations. Thank God that DeMar Hamlin is alive and well and in much better condition than he was before. And I personally give God all the praise and glory. But here's the question I have. Why do so many people only seem to pray when tragedy strikes? That are when they want something from God. I mean, no matter if you're the one praying or, or you're the one asking others to pray, 
I mean, you must believe in God to some degree, right? You must believe that he hears you and that he's capable of answering your prayers. I mean, to me, that would only make sense. But here's what I'm wrestling with right now. If you believe that God exists, if you believe that he's fully capable of answering your prayers about a tragic situation, then why not talk to him about all the other areas of your life? Think about it this way. God is miraculously restoring DeMar Hamlin's health right now as I'm recording this podcast. As a matter of fact, he was released from the hospital in Cincinnati and he went back to Buffalo and is now with the team. We're talking about a young man who just a few weeks ago was in cardiac arrest on a football field and he required CPR, an AED, and a ventilator at the hospital. And now he's doing well. He's alive and he has recovered from that tragic situation. Taking all this into consideration, all that I'm saying on the show today, imagine what God could do in your life if you would just make the decision to put your complete faith and trust in Him. If you would open up your Bible or electronic device to Luke chapter 17, I'd like to start reading in verse 11, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. God's Word says this, While He was on the way to Jerusalem, He was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Leprosy, better known today as Hansen's disease, was an infectious disease involving skin lesions and nerve damage. In biblical times, people with leprosy were considered to be unclean. As a matter of fact, they were forced to live outside the city, away from everyone else. In the scriptures, due to their exile, we often see leprous people huddled together. Because of their infectious disease, they were required to cry out, unclean, unclean, when someone was approaching them. In verse 13, when they saw Jesus... They didn't cry out, unclean, unclean. They cried out, Jesus, Master, which means teacher, have mercy on us. It's unclear how they knew who Jesus was. But they must have had some measure of faith, right? Because they cry out to him for help, even if it was just in regard to their physical condition. Look at that first part of verse 14. It says, when Jesus saw them, when the great physician, the king of kings, the Lord of lords laid eyes on these poor leprous men with their skin legions and their nerve damage who had been exiled outside the city because of this infectious disease that they had, he had compassion upon them. And Jesus says to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now this might seem strange to us, but this was necessary to fulfill the law. According to Leviticus 14.2, if a leprous person was cleansed of their disease, they had to go and show themselves to the priest. So Jesus is encouraging them to go and fulfill the law. Here's something else interesting in verse 14. It says, as they were going, 
they were cleansed. And it's talking about being cleansed from leprosy. I mean, these leprous men, they must have believed in Jesus to some degree, right? Because they cry out to him for mercy in the beginning. And when he says, go and show yourselves to the priests, that's exactly what they did. And one of these leprous men, as he's on his way to show himself to the priest, like Jesus said, he notices that he's been healed. So what's he do? He stops dead in his tracks. He turns around. He gives glory to God. He praises God with a loud voice. He falls on his face in reverence and awe at the feet of Jesus, and he gives thanks to him. This is the turning point in this man's life. This is really the moment that his story changes. As this is all unfolding, as this is all taking place, Jesus asks a question. Were there not ten lepers cleansed? Where are the other nine men? The only one who returned to give God glory for being healed and cleansed from leprosy is this one Samaritan man. I want to pause here for just a moment. How often are we like those other nine men? Where we pray and ask God for something, we ask him to interject in our tragedy, and then when he moves and he answers our prayer, we fail to return to him and praise him and give him thanks. Now, a moment ago I said that the moment that the Samaritan man turned around and gave God thanks and fell at Jesus' feet in all and reverence, that's when his story really changes. Look at verse 19. Jesus tells him to stand up and to go. And I believe that he's telling him to go and show yourself to the priest again to fulfill Levitical law. But look at what else he says. He tells the man, your faith has made you well. In the original language, it says something more along the lines of this. Your faith has saved you. Jesus is talking about physically and spiritually. Jesus knows here that our spiritual need is greater than any physical need that we have. I mean, this man's life was completely changed because he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. While the other nine men in this passage may have been healed physically from their condition, they did not hear those same words, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you because they failed to turn around and give God glory and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The question is, why didn't they turn back? They were so preoccupied by going and showing themselves to the priest, and perhaps they were thinking about all the things of life they could enjoy now because they had been cleansed from leprosy, that they failed to stop and give God thanks to one who made this all possible. What they failed to consider was this. One day, their physical body would still die, even though it was cleansed from that infectious disease. And because they failed to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, their soul would face eternal death because they did not receive eternal life. Those who only call out to God during tragedy or in time of need are like the nine leprous men who asked Jesus to heal them, but they failed to put their faith and trust in Him. Therefore, they are not made whole. They believe in Jesus just enough to ask Him for things but they refuse to let him into all the other areas of their life. No wonder they don't feel very close to God. No wonder they say their lives are a mess. As you saw in our text today, Jesus Christ is the life changer. Have you truly put your faith and trust in him? If not, he is standing there right now with his arms stretched wide open waiting for you to come home. Let's revisit the situation with DeMar Hamlin for just a moment. After that situation occurred 
the following headline appears. ESPN host prays on air for the health of Damar Hamlin. Now, taking that at face value, we're kind of like, yeah, all right, this is great. But let me read through the words of this man's prayer. He said, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, because we believe that you are God, and coming to you and praying to you has impact. We're sad. We're angry. We want answers. But some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar. Be with his family and give him peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. I'm not trying to be overly critical here, but here's the question I have for him. Sir, which God are you praying to? Do you know the God that you're praying to? How about you personally? When you see a post on Facebook of someone asking for prayer and you say, I'm praying for you, which God are you praying to? Do you know the God that you are praying to? Please hear me on this. There is no such thing as a universal God. All roads do not lead to heaven, as beautiful as that may sound. The one true God of Christianity is not the same God that the Hindus call out to. The one true God of Christianity is not the same God that the Muslims call out to. There is no such thing as a universal God. See, Christianity is a monotheistic religion, meaning that a Christian believes in one God and one God only. But he expresses himself in three distinct but equal persons. God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And he, and he alone, is the one true God. He says that in Isaiah 45.5. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. And Jesus says in John 14.6, he says, I am the way and the truth in the life, and that no one, listen to those words, no one comes to the Father, the Father is in heaven, but through me. In that same chapter, John 14, Jesus says something else very interesting. He says in regard to prayer in verse 13, that whatever we ask in his name, he will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's why I personally choose to end my prayers like this, in Jesus' name, amen. I don't do it because someone told me to. I know, I have seen, I have experienced the power of Jesus Christ working in my life. There is power in the name of Jesus. Demons shudder at the name of Jesus. There's no name above the name of Jesus. So if you're a Christian, if you're praying to the one true God, the God that said, besides me, there is no other. We should be closing our prayer out in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said whatever we ask in his name, in the name of Jesus, that he will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Thank you for listening to the Competing Voices podcast. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer on a future episode, please email info at competingvoices.com.